our DT systems, the Rap 1400 or 1400 if you like doing it that way, but it's the Rap 1400. It's a collar that is super reliable, ready to rock, and it's super handy because you can hold it in your hand while you're shooting your shotgun during duck season. So it's a cool unit for you and your dog come hunting season so that you've got control over any situation. Anything the dog throws at you during the hunt is right there, easy and accessible. Bingo, bango, bongo. If you don't want that one, check out the H. 201820. It's the DT Systems and it's dog tested, dog tough. Gunner Kennels, baby. Hashtag man's best kennel. Well, it's also now hashtag man's best food crate. It's freaking raccoon proof. You can't get into this thing. Your dog can't bust into the lid and eat all the food. Trust me, I know Memphis has done it in the past. She looks like a blown up pumpkin. Boom. But not anymore. We've got the Gunner Kennel food crate. It's easy to pack, easy to store, keeps food dry, which food's an investment, man. That Purina, baby, it ain't cheap anymore. So keep it dry, good, all that stuff, easy to pack, easy to store. The Gunner Kennel Food Crate, slide into DMs if you'd like to learn more. Force fetch, what is it? It's super intimidating to so many people, yet it's not that difficult. I built a step-by-step process that helps you understand it, you and your dog can be successful in it, and it takes the intimidation away of the process so that you and your dog can get to your goals. That's what it's built for. Let me teach you how I do it so that you and your dog can do it. Different breeds, different personalities, problem solving, and more. Check it out. Links in the description. The Force Fetch Course. Baby. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles. Baby, we got a episode for you here. My friend Dave is live from Lone Du Chateau, the HQ, everybody. He came up from Virginia. He's been traveling all over the world, globe trotting. And uh, he's settled in Virginia right now, working for the old U.S. of A., which we'll get into. Uh, Maybe, maybe not. And uh, he's here to hunt a little bit and hang out with the dogs and hang out at HQ. And as we had spoken about in our last episode, Dave was a pillar, if you will. What's another great term for... A founding father, Kevin, just Kevin doesn't have a microphone, everybody, because he forgot one. But he said founding father, that would be aggressive. Um, Thomas Jefferson, you know, George Washington, we're trying to put Dave Dwyer on that level might be aggressive. But we could say like he was like their stepson, maybe. (laughs) He's the stepson of George Washington. Maybe he's that level of cool. But anywho, Dave's here. Uh, stepson of the founding father of, of Lone D definitely helped me create the idea uh, of early on ideas of the company. And I'm excited to introduce him to you here shortly. So stay tuned, but you know what we got to do first. Let's knock them out, baby. We got Yukonuba, the food that fuels the Lone Duck truck. New formulas out. I've talked about in the past. We've had Dr. There, uh, Russ Kelly there uh, from Uke. He 
killed it on that episode talking about the different formulas, the different programs that you can put your dog on to get the most performance, the most bang for your buck. I highly, highly, highly encourage a test. 60 days, 90 days, do the Yukonuba challenge. If you don't like it, cool, that's fine. But try it. Give it a whirl for at least 90 days, and then at the end of 90 days, track what their body weight's doing, what their coat's doing, what their teeth's looking like, what their energy level's looking like, what their water consumption is like, what their fecal samples look like. Track it. If you don't like it, go back to what you were used to. If you do like it, I promise you'll stay happy. Yukonuba, baby. Next up, Gunner. Not just Gunner Kennel anymore. Man's best dot, 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 everything. They got the new food crate, patent pending, made in America. Yeah, buddy. Lifetime warranty. This bad boy, waterproof, weatherproof. You break it, they buy it, they fix it, you good. It'll be the last food crate, food storage bin you ever buy. And let's be honest, right now during duck season, we're going all over the country. COVID may have us down just a hair. We may be not going as far or crazy like we used to, but we're still going. We're still doing. We're still hunt testing. And when we've got to go out of town, I'm traveling with the Gunner food crate, baby. And that thing, it doesn't slide around in the bed of my truck. It doesn't slide around in my back seat. I know the food's going to stay fresh. And I know when old Quinn or Memph or whomever is riding in their gunner kennel, they're going to stay safe. Do me a solid. If you need questions answered, if you'd like to order yourself one, shoot us the old DM on the old Instagrams and and we'll help you out. So gunner.com, baby. Next up, Kent ammunition you know what we're shooting mm, ah, bismuth laying them down folding ducks like laundry stacking ducks like cordwood baby i don't know what else to say i mean shoot or shoot take it to the plug with kent i'm absolutely thrilled with the knockdown power it's like a one punch kind of knockout. You hit that duck, that sucker's going down. We're we're working on them on woodcock, grouse, ducks. I've yet to kill a goose with one, but I've never I haven't shot a goose with one, so it's not the goose's fault. It's the lack of geese. But if you're interested in dabbling in the mm, business, give old Kent a try. Next up, smoke them if you got them. I'll be very honest with everybody. I am uncomfortable right now during this podcast. I am so full. I am engorged with meat, smoked, delicious, tender pork. And I hope that pee really popped in your speaker system. That pork, we did a, I did a pork butt for like nine hours on the Traeger tonight. And I will be the first to admit it was awesome. 
not because I did a good job, not because I'm a grill master. It is because you can't screw it up. They tell you what to do before you screw it up. It is the easiest and best way to smoke that meat. Next up, Kevin. Oh, Kevin's Kevin's signaling me, but I know exactly where I'm going with this. Dogtra e-collars. I don't know why he's he's signaling me. Like I forget. Dogtra. The last 10 years I've strapped one on a dog's neck. How could I forget? This is the unit that every day, I mean, it is the go-to. When when people ask me, um, I'm getting a young dog, what do I need? You need bumpers, you need a check cord, you need treats, you need, you know, birds, you need this, that, and the other thing. You need a dog tray e-collar. It is quintessential. I think that might be the first time I ever used that word on this podcast, quintessential. Is that a real word? Am I pronouncing it properly? Yeah, yeah, screw it. Quintessential. If you say it really quickly, you can't. People can't tell me I'm wrong. Quintessential. E collar. The only one you need to buy. The only one you probably will ever buy. Dogtra. Lastly, Waypoint Outdoor Collective. They keep us in tune with you. You stay in tune with us. Let's get into the show. All right, Deputy Doodah Dave. Welcome to the show, my friend. What's going on? No man, that. That's my question for you. What's going on? Oh, oh, hey. Not too much. Just uh, up here, do some hunting, do some making fun of you for your tight shirts. and Listen, bud. Listen. All right, everybody. I'm going to give you... All right. So I'm going to... I was going to have Dave introduce himself, but I'm going to introduce Dave for himself. Skinny Jean, hipster. What else do you need to know? Uh, Dave and I met at Eastern Copy Products. A Xerox company. We don't, don't remind me. We sold Xerox. What was the other one? Canola. Can what did that? You remember what? Conica Minolta. Conica Minolta. Conica Minolta. Cadillac of copiers. Yeah. <laughs> Duplex. Uh, Color. How, black and white. How many prints per minute? Yeah. Also faxes. Yeah, yeah. We could scan documents in PDF form. It's all about productivity productivity. We were creating solutions for your business. That was back in the day as a salesman, we were taught that we were providing value to your business and creating solutions to your problems by selling you a damn copier. And um, I'm going to give a real quick shout out, even though we're busting chops, the guy who taught me how to sell uh, his name was Rudy Dobesh, and uh, Rudy recently passed away. <laughs> Good job, Kevin. Kevin blew it, but it's Kevin blew it. So. He didn't have a microphone, so his dink comment didn't didn't swing. Rudy Dobesh loved to duck hunt. He had a black Labrador retriever. He loved the Dakotas. He loved talking to Dave and I about duck hunting. He loved being an educator and and telling us how we can provide value and solution. I mean, I'm kidding now, but like he was like, Oh no guys, we're really providing solutions to these clients. And me and Dave were sitting there like, nah, Rudy, we're just selling copiers, man. Like these things suck. They clog up and jam and people hate them and us. And he's like, no, 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 no. Solutions guys. 
and he always had the most positive attitude. Every day we'd come into work and Rudy had a smile on his face. And uh, he was an exceptional young, er, at the time, he was, I mean, he still, when he passed, he was, he was a young dude. Um, and so Dave and I were reminiscing uh, yesterday, or maybe even this morning. So he's passionate about training people, passionate about helping people be better. And that's what he was excited about, not selling copiers, which is what our daily job was. So you're absolutely right. And he, passion. he took us under his wing as like young bucks coming into this world. Like we, we thought we knew, I, I mean, I didn't know Jack truthfully about anything. And, and can I, can I relate a quick story of that? Yeah. To how much young 21, two year old Bob Owens didn't know. Is the first time I ever met Bob. <laughs> he he lands this sales job, you know, silver tongue, just I'm gonna come in there and change the world. Like, yeah, come on in and like, you know, meet the crew and just oh, he's like, Oh, I gotta, you know, I'm working at this this landscaping job. And he shows up to this office to sell copiers where the it's a shirt and tie with a suit. That was the daily wear. And he shows up in these dirty jeans covered in grass stains wore out work boots this neon green t-shirt obviously bob owens no sleeves <laughs> completely sunburned just hasn't showered in probably three weeks it's just like typical bob owens but he just shows up like hey guys i'm here to sell copiers and everybody's like who is this dude coming in here <laughs> forgot about that oh my god i think actually my first thing was was when he came in i was just like hey guy uh nice shirt <laughs> dave we had cubicles and and so i told the the boss right i'm like hey man like so he calls me he's like you got the job i want you to come and meet the team and i'm like okay but i gotta i'm coming if you want me to do this i'm coming from my current position as a straight up landscape weed whacker. He looked more like he just came off the railroad tracks as a bum. Yeah. I had fresh clippings all over me. Yeah. And he's like, you know, and, and we're going to get into this guy in a second here, but like, he's like, Oh no, brother, this is awesome. You're, you're uh no, this is, yeah. He sounds like macho man, Randy Savage. Real, uh, real impression. This Kevin. is real. This is who he was. Hey brother, don't worry about it. You're you're uh, we're excited to have you on board. We want you here. Come and meet the team. I'm like, are you sure? I I won't have time between work to like. No, brother, don't sweat it. Come on in. Okay. <laughs> I'm not making up that voice. That was him. Great dude, but a hundred percent real impression. He was like Macho Man and the Hulk, just rolled into one real life person. Yep. And he was a strong five six by five six, sweaty all the time, dipped Copenhagen in the office and swallowed it. He would go to sales meetings with me with a hog in his cheek and and you'd be like, uh, Mike, can you please be more presentable? We ne I never close a deal with him. Come Not from, come from a guy in a cut off t shirt. True. Good point. Yeah. Good point. So anywho, I, I show up to this office and, and Dave's right. Everyone's in a suit and tie slinging copiers. And I walk in and he's like, Oh, Bob, great. You know, so great. 
Great to, great to see you again. You know, glad to be, uh, glad to have you here. All right, this is Dave Dwyer. And he turns around in his chair. I swear to God, he's got a purple shirt on with a purple tie like a wiener. And he wheels around in this chair and he looks at me and he goes, really? <laughs> nice shirt, bro. <laughs> and then Joe Tarek stands up from behind the other cubicle and he's like, <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> and then you got like, I forget the other folks, Rob and what was the lady's name? Yeah, Rebecca. Rebecca. And- Rebecca used to sling copiers. That girl could sell. Ish. Ish. Well, Bob. Bob, he was just, he was, if you had an, uh, remember that show, The Office? Yeah, it was like, it was Stanley. He, it was so perfect. You had the crotchety old man who hated every day of his life. That was him. And then you had Rebecca who was pretty good at her job but would tell you how good she was at selling copiers. The best. Like, the best. Congrats. Um, then you had Rob, who was really, really good at his job, but hated it and, like, hated it. <laughs> hated Wait, it. He came into the office, like, what, like, once, once, once a, a quarter, week. maybe? I, you never saw him. Never saw him. And then there was Rudy. So I, I do want to give him a sh- – the, the, I'll give him a second to just, you know, thank him for – who he made us out to be in those days. Like I took Rudy, we'll get into, you know, our first hunt together, but I took Rudy and my dad out to that same spot. And, uh, he loved the dogs, man. He loved watching dogs work. He loved, he'd pull me into his little corner office and be like, Hey, close the door behind you. And he'd be like, Oh, it's duck season. You know, I I just, I miss, going out to the Dakotas and, and the smell of the slough and, you know, when your waders slosh through the mud and that scent, that, that mucky, nasty smell, but it just reminds you of the duck hunting. And, you know, he just, he had great stories from when he was younger and he didn't have, you know, if you, if you knew him, you got to know him and, and like his, his family life and all this stuff. And, and he didn't have, buddies that he could like reminisce with right like they've all been moved across the country and and shifted and life changed and now he's a 55 60 year old dude that just is hanging out with young guys that that do what he used to do and he wanted to reminisce and and that was like probably 10 years ago and i think it said he was like in his 60s when he passed so you know he's probably in his early 50s at that point i think he was just him and his sons and uh that, that was it he didn't really have anybody to take out and hunt he didn't they weren't into it or whatever it was. And he was just, you know, and he came up in that old school. He was just that, you know, for us, it was old school for, if you're listening to this and you're 60 years old, you're probably like, no, that's how I, you know, yeah, that's not old school. That's just me. Right. That's how he was. Now he was a good dude. So we were talking about him today and, and we knew he was sick. And the last I had heard is he had a, a round of chemo and was doing better. And so we looked him up. And just, just to see, yeah. and, and it turns out he passed away in August, like, and now it's what, uh, November. So three yeah. months ago he passed away. So I do want to give a little silence for, for him. He was, 
exceptional dude and pivotal and, and a part of like our friendship and how it started. But another, you know, not to get on a sad note, but during that time, Dave and I did not enjoy our job. So we would meet up and be like, Hey bro, what are you doing? It's like, I'm driving around trying to sell copiers. What are you doing? I'm like, man, same. Let's go get coffee and not do anything for a few hours. And we would meet up at cafe Kubal on James street in Syracuse. And, uh, we would sit there and talk about hunting and talk mm-hmm. about how much copiers suck. I mean, it wasn't just coffee too. It was like every once in a while, maybe, uh, I think the statue of limitations is gone at this point. So maybe like might've been a beer once in a while, just, you know, oh, Casanova, the, maybe, the seven stone steps. Hey, we're going to go out and, uh, we're going to, we're going to sell copiers together and really combine <laughs> our efforts. We're going to go pound the pavement and fill the funnel, bro. AKA, uh, we're just going to sit in a bar and drink some beers. Yeah. Nah, I don't care. Yeah, we did. And it was awesome. And so Dave and I, that that was our relationship for a year and change. And Dave moved on from that company and at one point or another decided to join the army. Yeah. I, uh, see, I, I left there. Well, a little about me, I guess, because. Nah, nobody cares. You never really, never really introed me in. You were just like, hey, Dave, uh, how are you? But anyway. Yeah. He's a hipster. I, I've been called a hipster more than once by more than one person. Um, <laughs> I do enjoy craft beer, flannel, and hipster things, but I also enjoy hunting. Uh, also, I am probably the world's greatest below average hunter, um, which, you know, it's a pretty big accomplishment. And uh, yeah, so from there, I, I left that Eastern copy and uh, did some other jobs and then had a chance where like the stars aligned and I could just join the army. And I went and did that and I was in the army for uh, seven, eight years and traveled around the world and did some things. And yeah, and then I got out and here I am. Well, we can dabble in the army, right? So you did Guam. Yeah. So I did that. You know, I was stationed in, in Hawaii and Guam and. But you were a big scuba diver in Guam. Yep. So uh, I've been, uh, can't hear it, but Kevin, uh, it's his first time doing a podcast and he forgot the microphone cord. So, uh, he's over here lamenting scuba diving. Yeah. So I was, I'm a big outdoors guy. You know, I grew up hiking and being outdoors. And when I went to Guam, which if you haven't been to Guam, it's probably some of the the greatest scuba diving you'll get in the United States. And I went over there and I, I just got into it. I had a lot, you know, weekends off and I just ended up falling into scuba diving and I got underwater and saw some have cool like uh World War Two wrecks and airplanes and crashed and uh some World War One wrecks you can dive and then, you know, got to see some sharks and some all sorts of fun stuff. That's neat. And then you were in Washington? Yeah. So from there I, I went to Washington State, uh Joint Base Lewis McCord, south of Seattle there on the Puget Sound, and if it's one of the greatest places you can visit as far as being outdoors, you got you got the Olympic Cascades, and I'm sure I'm missing another mountain range there. And, uh, yeah, there's tons of tons of opportunities there. I never, I wasn't there often enough where I could get out and hunt, and I can do all the stuff that I love to do, but um, it's definitely an awesome area. No, I didn't. So Kevin asked if I got the duck hunt there and, uh, I didn't get the duck hunt there. I know Bob had, uh, tried to set some stuff up for me, but it was like, 
when I was there, I was getting ready. I got there, had to do some stuff and get ready to, uh, to go deploy. And then it was like, you know, fast forward, came back and then I was done, done getting out of there. So it was, I didn't have a lot of time to actually to hunt or commit to the time to do that kind of stuff. Where did you end up deploying to? Yeah. So I deployed to, uh, to Afghanistan. Um, and I was there for what year? Uh, 2017. So, you know, I guess what it is at this point, OEF 17 or whatever. And I was there, I was on Kandahar and, uh, from there went all different places across the beautiful country of Afghanistan and, uh, got to meet the beautiful, vibrant people and experience their beautiful, vibrant countryside. Um, that's really good. All right. So if you don't mind, I'm going to, I want, when, when you do a podcast, we want to, I want to paint a picture for people and I want you in a comfortable way to paint a picture of your time there and, you know, things like, did you get to see dogs work? Were dogs working for IEDs? You know, things that, you know, us dog folk listening to the podcast could, could that be a part of what you saw, like the MPs, the military police using dogs or anything like that would be neat to chat about? Yeah. So, I mean, like, I'm just a, I was just a regular army nerd, uh, not anybody cool or badass, but just a regular army nerd. And, uh, when I was there doing what we were doing, we had, uh, you know, dealt with a lot of the MP dogs, which I feel like, and I'm sure there's somebody who's like going to start screaming cause I'm going to get it wrong, but the, uh, they do a lot of like Malinois and mm-hmm. I don't think I ever saw any, the old school, like typical shepherds. Like we don't, I don't think we as like us forces really use, I think it's all Malinois at this point. Okay. Yeah. Um, are the ones that we work with and they did like, uh, you know, typical, like, like working gates and kind of interdiction type stuff where it's like sniffing out bombs and looking for all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, work with some like, uh, special forces, like guys, those guys have like, also have Malinois, but they're more like, I think they do a, like a wider range. I don't like, and I'm not, wasn't a cool guy, but they do like a wider range of stuff, like finding bombs or tackling people and that kind of stuff. So, um, one of the cool things I, I did get to work with, uh, some of the, uh, Italian forces and, uh, they have, they use meatballs. Basically. So this is one of those things like, you like, no. Okay. Go on. You know, like, I don't want to say like American dogs are badass, but those Malinois we have are like super muscular in shape. They look awesome. And these Italian dogs are like gigantic. They were like gigantic, like long fur, like shepherds, like, like, uh, German shepherds. Uh And they were like, Everyone that I saw, probably a dozen of them, all super fat. Really? They were eating them spicy meatballs. Whatever. Little bolognese. Definitely, uh, definitely probably not eating the the Yukonuba special diets. They're like eating the the whole Italian diet, whatever it was, because they were like, they were just like, like, you know, 100 plus pounds. Yeah. Cavaldigook. And then, uh, ravioli. Yeah, like, hey, what's your dog's name? Ravioli. <laughs> oh. Giuseppe. Giuseppe. Uh, hey, Giuseppe, here. Here. You <laughs> bring me that spicy meatball, Giuseppe. Yeah. But those are those they're no no joke. Like you have like this these American dogs that are like super lean, just they're just like athlete. They're athletes. And then you have like the Italian dogs, they were just like they were super fat. And again, I, I'm sure like 
some dog handler out there who was like an army dog handler, an Italian army dog handler is like screaming like, no, they're the best. But I'm telling you, like they're, they're nowhere near what we have. And it's, it's just, it's just the difference between how we're, we're you know, super professional and cool. That, so did you get to see any really do their job? You know, besides like working a gate and like walking around a car and. Uh, yeah. You know, yes and no. Like I, I, I've seen them, uh, I've been out with them and seen them do like, do their job like out in the field and stuff. And it's pretty cool, man. It, it, it's just like, I get, you know, it's, it's, you see like, like today we were, we were working with, uh, Andy and she was, uh, working on pointing or whatever it was she was doing. Right. Yeah. Dave, yeah. she was pointing. pointing. I'm like, is it pointing setting? What do you, what do you call it? No, we point. Pointing. I mean- All right. Told you, world's greatest below average hunter. Okay. All right. So she was pointing, right? And she's like on her game and she's out working. She's like doing her job. Well, it doesn't matter if it's a dog sniffing out a bomb, looking for an IED, or a dog trying to flush a chucker that's, you know, set up. Like it's, they're doing their job. They're working. And they all look the same. They're, they're serious. They're, they're doing it. And when they're, when they're done doing it and they're rewarded, it's, they had a great time. They just, they don't understand the, the gravity of the situation. They don't understand the implications. They're just doing their job. When they're done, they're excited that they did it. That's cool. They're just happy dogs. That's really cool. So you, you spent some time over in Afghanistan in 2017. Mm-hmm. You get home, and from there, truthfully, I'm rusty on where you moved to after that. So where was the next move for you? So yeah, I, uh, I got out of the Army in, in, uh, right like shortly after that, and I... Uh, Moved to the Northern Virginia area, and I live in Northern Virginia, kind of like okay, west of DC. Working um, for yeah, the I, government. I work for the federal government, and uh, you know, again, not a cool guy, just just a normal desk guy. So I just kind of do that, and you're really painting a great picture of yourself that you're a nerd in the army and a normal desk guy, below average hunter, and here I am trying to pump you up as world's number one hipster. Well, you know. You gotta be, you gotta be like understated. You can't, I can't come out here and be like, can't be out here like, you know, I'm like the superest, you know, badass dude there was because there's guys like Tim Kennedy exists. Like that, that dude exists, right? Jocko Willink exists. Like I'm just, I'm just a normal dude. And I went and did stuff and I came home and now I'm doing other stuff. You know, it's, I'm not super, super high speed fancy dude, but I got you like everybody else. Oh, I know. I, I know, but I, I also respect and appreciate what you did. And in lieu of Veterans Day, we'll all give a, a quick cheers with a, a bush light to thank everybody who took took a portion of their life and devoted it to our freedom and our country. And, you know, I remember talking to you and you're like, I kind of don't like you when people thank us. And no, oh, yeah, I'm, you're not really for that. I'm a- so how would you do it if you were to give a shout out to veterans, what would you say? Yeah. I, I don't know. Like for me, I, you know, I'm a very like kind of understated with that stuff. And I think it, it surprises a lot of people when they find out I serve just cause I, you know, just kind of laid back and I'm not really like super, uh, super high speed about it. I'm not, it's not the forefront of who I am or who I was. It's a thing I did. So I think like when I like, you know, when I thank people or I see like, if I see older veterans, like guys, like Vietnam guys, or I see like, Korean War guys or World War II guys. Um, when I see those guys, you know, those older veterans, I, you know, I'll, I'll go up and thank them and be like, hey, listen, like, thank you for your service. You know, I appreciate what you did. You know, you, you like paved the way. We're here because of what you did. And the standards we have in the Army now and 
all across the military because what those guys did. So it's important to thank those guys and remember them. And I just, you know, but I'm not like, if you're like, Hey, all veterans in the room stand up. I'm not the guy who like jumps up. I'm like, Oh, cool. Veteran standing up. And I just kind of <laughs> sit back down or I don't even get up, but right. it's important to thank those guys. And it, it, it's, it's whether it's a, you see a guy in a grocery store and he's got a, you know, world war two hat on, you go up and just, Hey, you know, thank you for your service. Like, I appreciate it. That means a lot to that guy. And, you know, not everybody's the same and, but you thank those guys and it means a lot. Yeah, I dig it. Uh, and I appreciate, man, I don't know. I think it takes a real special human being, man, woman, child, like some of the stories you brought up while we were hanging out, drinking and hunting and hanging. I forget what it's like to be 18, 19, 20, 21. Cause when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, I was at college partying my face off playing rugby i literally studied rugby part-time college kid full-time beer drinker right like i i worked out i ate i as much as i could i drank and and that was it like i worried about being the best rugby player i could be and getting through college and truthfully like immature right we I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know who I was. I thought I did at the time. You, you think you got that stuff figured out when you're 20, 21. And, and 38, I don't, you know. Right, well, I know we're older now, but like you were an older guy going into the Army yeah. and you were a leader of 20-year-olds. And, and a comment you made that was interesting was, you know, seeing a young kid that's been working for me for the, last couple of days really he's brand new working for him and you're like nah, he's a great kid like he's still figuring yeah. life out and when you dealt as a leader for the younger guys who think they might have it figured out they got no idea and i forget what it's like to be that age truthfully and uh that's what you, you lose that perspective over time right like when you especially if you don't work with you know 18 19 21 your old kids, like kids, like not kids, like adults, like if you don't work with them and you don't deal with them on a professional level, then I think you forget about like, you know, they're going to make choices based on what they know and they have a limited worldview. And it's, it's kind of like, you just got to give them that slack and that leeway. They're, they're people just like you were a person at 18 trying to figure your way in the world. Yeah, that's, that's what they are. They're just trying to figure their way out with the best information they have. And you just got to, going to give it to them. And you got to respect I guess the point I'm trying to make is I, I want to give re major respect for at a young age, taking on the responsibility to fight for the country and go into the military and, and have that patriotism and, and move forward into like the unknown, right? Like, you know, yeah. you, you might sign up, but you're like, I don't know. I might never go to Afghanistan, but I, and I might go hang out in Guam and, and scuba dive. Yeah. Like, I bet you didn't join the army. Like, hell yeah, I'm going to Guam, baby. No, no. I mean, I, you had I, no idea. And it, it took no. you there and it was a cool experience and you learned and met great people, but you also went to Afghanistan and that was a lot of BS there too. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like one of those, like, how do you look at the world? If you look at the world, like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to set this goal and, you know, just to bring it back, cause it's like, we're, you know, you're a hunting podcast, but like, if your goal is like, you have a, a dog and that, so the goal of that dog is he's going to retrieve, she's going to retrieve like 70 ducks this year. Right. And that's your goal. And you're solely focused on it. 
and you don't like stop along the way and appreciate like the first duck. You don't appreciate the, the first bumper they retrieve. You don't appreciate all those little things along the way and you're just focusing that goal. Then like, what do you, you, you miss out on all the good parts. You never appreciate, you never appreciate that 70 ducks. Like when that dog picks up that 70 duck that season, you're like, Oh great. We did it. But then it's like, okay, well, did you, did you realize like how many years, how many hours it took you to get there? All the progress. And that's, that's, you know, you, you kind of lose that, that perspective. You don't look at the journey and that's, that's how it is. Like those troops join, you know, kind of really out of college or out of high school and they don't know they're just joining and they're, they're going for the adventure. And that's the, that's the fun part is all the adventure they experience along the way. Not the, like, you know, the goal of like, whatever it is going to war or whatever, whatever their goal is. The fun part is you end up in Guam and you're have a chance to go scuba dive and you take the time and do it. And it's like, well, yeah, like that wasn't my goal, but that was, that's the adventure. That, that's the fun part. And I think that's like a life thing that you got to carry forward for like in everything you do is it's not about the destination. It's not about the goal. It's about what happens along the way. Like if you don't, if you don't pick your head up and look around and enjoy those little things, you never enjoy the end. Like well, you'll enjoy the, the 70th duck. You'll enjoy the, you know, the hold your hands up cause you, you won the world title. But you know, if you don't enjoy the little moments along the way, then really, what did you do? If that makes sense. Yeah, man, that was, uh, extremely poignant. Nice. All right. I'm good at tying things together. Like, you know, that was really good. Truthfully, that was really good. Cause sometimes, I mean, I am a grade, a example. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, example of goal, 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 goal. And forget that today was a great day because you were here. John was here with Addy. You know, you're all right. You can pop that beer. Don't sweat it, bud. Um, you know, what a great day we had. Yeah. What a great day. It, it We got to deer hunt in the evening. We got to hang out with you and my friend, John, who's a client of mine, but that client that turned into a great friend. Um, but By the hurt. way, like seeing that golden is like... Just for viewers, I just lost my uh, golden retriever like 10 and a half years, probably like was it two months ago. So like seeing like that golden run and stuff, I was just like, oh my God, my heart's like. I know. I'm sorry. Broken. But yeah. Yeah. Dave. Super cool. So again, to double back, Dave, when he and I are slinging copiers down the old dusty trail, his dog Kiva, a golden retriever and Buck were roughly the same age. Maybe she was six months older, like not much yeah, older. Yeah, she was like December of, of year where that was. And Buck was March. So not much older. And so we would go hang out and the two dogs would play. And she was a major part of our uh, friendship and things we did together. And unfortunately, um, I, I, you said, I'm sorry, but yeah. she passed away, you know, recently and man, it's never easy. It's, is literally probably one of the hardest things we all have to do is, is people is, is lose our dogs. I mean, yeah, freaking sucks. I feel like you you want them to live forever. You're like, they're going to live forever you know, but then it's, you know, you just watch a, watch a really good friend get old and just, that's it. They get old quick, quick. They go, you know, you, uh, I don't know how to equate this because it's, this is not going to come out how maybe I want to, to do it but you have grandparents and you watch grandparents get old and you watch them forget things repeat themselves repeat themselves again tell the same story that you've heard a hundred times and you watch them become more frail and you watch them as 
they have a hard time going upstairs and getting out of chairs and, and it's a process. But from the time you were five to the time you're 35, that whole process is like 30 year deal. This is like a 10 year deal and you get them and they're eight weeks old and they're bad out of hell. Yeah. And they are young and gunning and. Yeah. And I think too, like they, they go from like eight weeks old when you bring them home to like a year and a half real quick. Right. Like, and you're like, Oh man, I remember when you're like a little puppy. But then like you have like a, a pile of good years where it's like, they're just like in their peak and they're, they're, they're rock and rolling. And then it's like, but yeah, then, all of a sudden, then, then when they get old, it's, it's, you know, like that six year old, like Memphis is six and from six to eight, it's not so bad from eight to 10. You can really yeah. see it. And then 10 to the end, it's you're watching your friend. Like you haven't aged that much. You know, like we haven't changed, we haven't slowed down, but you watch them deteriorate at a rate that is inhuman. And it's really hard, really, really hard. So I'm sorry about Kiva and I'm, I'm sorry about that loss for, for you. But anyways, all right, let's get into a little bit more fun. So uh, one of the reasons I want Dave to be on the show is... Dave was on my first duck hunt with Buck. Do you remember? Yeah. So that was uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, nine years ago. Something like that. Yeah, nine, 10 years ago. Actually, uh, I don't know if you have the picture, but there's downstairs in your, in your place, you have that picture of like you and Buck on the railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. He was basically still a puppy. Tiny. Like tiny tiny dog and uh I, the duck is like that wood duck is probably like what like half a size maybe seems it yeah it was like uh i don't know you want to get get into it i don't know how much of the story you've already told or no so i've told the story maybe once on the podcast and so so, so you told everybody how this is what i want to get the, into the pterodactyl of a wood duck like probably the biggest wood duck that anybody's ever seen no. also the fastest most slippery flyer you've ever seen, like ducking and diving. Probably nobody could ever shoot it. And uh, I don't know if Bob got a shot off, but I definitely shot it. We took, we all took it to the plug. Yeah. Uh, Bob didn't have any rounds in. It was completely me. I shot the duck one round. I think it was probably like a pellet hit it because I'm so good. And he just like, just crippled up right into the decoys and boom. It was like game over. And like Buck like looked at me like, I wish you were my owner. <laughs> I remember it differently. If Mr. Owens is listening, he probably also was like, "You're much better than my son." <laughs> Greatest shot I've, I've ever heard of. So, yeah. <laughs> all right, let's go a little deeper, no. Dave. So, right. me and you. First of all, the spot we 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 go in there and we're like, we have two, no idea what we're doing. Two idiots in a in a place that I don't think we. we you might have scouted. I think somebody told us about it. Yeah, we had no idea what we were doing. We told we were told that it was legal for us to go there. Yeah, That's go, all we needed go to here, know. Go here, walk down these railroad tracks, 
And then there is a spot and there's like water and you can just sit and shoot ducks. And we're like, oh, cool. Spot with water. We can sit and shoot ducks. Legal. All right, cool. We're good. We're cool. in. We're in. And uh, like we like walk in and we walk off these tracks. Down like, this embankment. Down this embankment. Super steep. Super steep. Dragging like, like literally like. A bag no, full of flambo no decoys. Yeah. Probably. Uh, they weren't in the box. They were, but they were in that, in that uncomfortable, like. Sack. The most basic like decoy bag you can find like yep like hey young young kevin look this up like what's the most basic decoy bag you can get because that's what it is with with uh like yarn yeah. and washers that i found in an old box of of his dad's old like, like screws and bolts and washers and just like tie a bunch of washers yeah. to the end of the rope mr owens has to had to like fix his toilet probably like two day two years later and is like where did my washers go? Where did my washers go? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Young Kevin looked it up. It says cupped large mesh decoy bag for, I don't see the price in there. $10 was it like, anyway, $14.99. Great price. Yeah. And Great price old, tag. In old money, that was probably like, that's like, yeah, we had to work. Today. We had to work a whole week yeah. to get that. So, uh, anyway, we, we, we got on that bank though. And we, we literally set up like, there, there's no like, prominent feature of land like we're literally walking down the bank of this like is it a it's not a river it's i don't know, like an out like an inlet of a river right like i'm gonna give it a shout out it's called oxbow creek oxbow creek yeah um, that's where we killed the first lone duck oxbow creek but that, central new york but that spot like it didn't have uh it, it's not like we're sitting at the point of it like because later on we hunted like the point of it like where actually ducks might fly past. Yeah, we actually killed more ducks there. But um, yeah, this was a different spot. There was nothing there. And we're in the wood line. And it was a bluebird day. We didn't see a single duck until. Yeah. Um, um, first um, of all, we set the decoys up. And there's still like the the bank dropped off so much that we, we couldn't get the decoys out from under the overhang of the trees. Right. So they were still like the decoys are still in the tree. Like. It was terrible. Like, we're, we're, like, Amateurs. we're like two goobers. We're just literally like two goobers out there. Like the worst, literally the two worst duck hunters. You pro- like ducks probably like looked at us and laughed. Like, yeah. Idiots. If there were even ducks in the area. Well, no, there were, cause we remember we saw them and there, there were people like out on the other side, like shooting, right? Like there was, I, I guess mean, I don't you, remember you that. You could hear people like, and Banging. But, like we were, we were just in the worst, literally pick the worst spot that you can think of to hunt ducks on in your local area and then make it three times worse. And that's where we were. <laughs> and yeah. we, but, but again, like we well, were happier. Yeah, you're right. Like we were like, yes, we're, we're out here doing it. We have this like tiny puppy who's going to like go and retrieve, seven months old. Yeah. Seven months old. And he's going to retrieve like a million ducks today. Cause we're going to like literally be the two greatest duck hunters. Shoot or shoot ever. So here's how I remember the scenario. I'm going to be black and white with it. And then you give your reenactment, if you will. I remember a duck came in. We didn't know what it was. We weren't like, oh, a wood duck. We were like, a duck. Boom, 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 boom. Me and you shoot six rounds, three each. That's what I remember. You know, it could have been five or three or two, but I remember us unloading is what I remember. And the duck cripples up and and lands. And we're like, oh, my God. 
we got, we got him. And I remember looking down and be like, Buck. And he looks up at me like, yeah, yeah. What do you want? I'm like, what the hell just happened? This is awesome, but I have no clue. And granted, you know, you've all heard me on the podcast educating you on your first dogs.com. And I'm not telling you that we did it right. I'm just telling you how we did it. And so this, this seven month old puppy looks up at me like, sweet, what do we do? And, and all that training that we did and the culmination of what we did and they do it right. It didn't pan out exactly perfect. And this duck is crippled and swimming away and we can see it swimming away. So me and Buck get out. We didn't even have a blind. We get out and we haul butt down the shore and I'm, you know, hunting up, hunting up, hunting up. And he's dipping and diving and dodging through the now swampy area of where the duck was headed. And he found it. Like, lo and behold, he found it. And, and, you know, I talk about that story. I talk about the unspoken bond. I talk about the culmination of all the training that we put in and the dog's doing it right. And, like, nothing is right. Nothing on their first hunt is going to go right. But, but this young puppy that I worked with every day, hours, every day, weeks, weeks, months, putting that time in to have him run around and sniff and get birdie and dive over the brush and slop through the nastiness and find that crippled wood duck was and is one of the most memorable retrieves I've ever had and one of the most proud moments I've ever had. And Dave was there. And now he will say he killed it and I will say I killed it, but I will be very honest with everybody on the podcast. I have no idea who killed it. I know we sprayed the atmosphere with steel. I think like, I mean, we might've, it might've just had a mild heart. It stroked out up there. It didn't even have a pellet and it just stroked out. First of all, that might've been the world's dumbest duck. Yeah, Darwinism. Like, first, he, why he, how he saw the decoys. It was like a 9 a.m. wood duck. Why are you coming in, yeah. wood duck, at 9 a.m.? Every wood duck flies at sunrise and is done at 10, yeah. 10 minutes after. Like, why at 9 a.m. or at a bluebird day is yeah. a wood duck coming in, screaming in? Into decoys? Idiot. I don't, I don't even think there was a single wood duck decoy in that decoy spread. No. And how he saw them because they were still under trees. I don't, under, I don't know either. But, like. And it, when we we opened up, it literally looked like you ever see like those old uh, World War Two like black and white videos of like the aircraft carriers just opening up and spraying all like the flak into the air just to try to knock down the yeah. enemy fighters. That literally that's what it, it was just like. <laughs> there was a spread of lead in that air or steel in that air that was like it, he he was gonna get hit by something. There's no way like <laughs> spray and pray, baby. But I I clearly remember. Second round, it comes out of my gun. I rack the third round in. I hear a click from Bob, like, boom, Bob's empty. He's still trying to shoot because he has no idea how to work a shotgun. And I'm like, one round left, and I pull the trigger, boom. Duck goes down, dude. It was like, you know, and then he's like the world's strongest duck because I smoked him, dude. <laughs> I, I I clearly remember, like, an explosion of feathers. There was, like, it, it was incredible. And then he was just like... World's strongest duck here. I'm not done yet. 
Yeah. But I, you underestimate, like, that was the one he swam across yeah. the creek or across, like, the. Yeah, you're right. The lake. I mean, it was like you had to walk up onto the embankment down the railroad tracks. Yeah. And, and, then, and then hunt it up. Yeah. And then, uh, yep. but there's an important lesson there, though. I mean, and I know, like, obviously it's probably the wrong thing to say, like, but if, you, if you're like a young listener and you're like, I don't know if my dog's ready. I don't know if I'm ready. If you have a dog and you're like, want to get out there and do it, the lesson is you just got to go out and do it because event, there's going to be the first time for both of you guys. And you just got to go out and do it. Like, because it's either going to be like awesome and it's going to be the greatest time or it's going to be like everything is going to go wrong and Bob's going to yell at you because you broke all these, these dog training rules and the retrieving rules. But the reality is it's going to be awesome. Yeah. No, that is fair and fine advice. Caveat that just for one quick second, don't do it with if your dog's not good with gunfire and like other dumb stuff, you know, make sure that you're ready. Like I trained that dog as best as I could. And I still would tell people to not take him that young, but he was steady. He was good with gunfire. He was good around decoys and he had had live birds and all that. Like he had had it. So we took, you know, and I didn't, you know, we, we, we all do it with our first dog. We all do it mildly wrong or right or indifferent, but Dave's right. Like at some point you and the dog have to learn. So send it and try your best to make it right. And it wasn't the most perfect scenario for a young dog, but it was like, dude, I remember taking pictures in my yard. Oh yeah. I remember taking pictures at the trail road tracks. I remember every ounce of that hunt i really do i mean and how proud me and you were of one duck we killed one duck i think the context of that too is is that we were like and you know i'm sure this is like you're gonna have guys screaming but it's like we're like sitting there and we're getting bored and cold because we're just literally like sitting there like I don't know if ducks actually exist in the real world. Like, is this, we just see them on TV. Like what's going on right now. And Buck was, you know, he's getting bored. So we had, we had thrown like, we had thrown bumpers to him. So he like, he can go out and actually get something, you know, like, like, we're not going to see a duck. We, so he's got to get some work. And we're like, so he's like cold and wet. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think he saw the, like the, nah, he like, he, like he's like, he's cold. And like, he's looking at us like, Hey guys, uh, is it like, are, are you serious right now? Like what? All the trainings for what? And right. then the duck comes in and it's, but it's, all it was, of that is erased in your mind, right? That's, it's not like. Yeah. All, yeah, you're right. All that is erased. And I remember, so now, you know, fast forward a little bit of time and we get a lot more good hunts in and we start learning the craft and the dog starts learning the craft. And we start killing some birds and getting better and scouting more and, and figuring out how to be more successful we get better tools, we become better, and uh, I determine, this is, Dave is still not in the army yet, but I'm done selling copiers, I'm now selling business insurance, and I come up with this idea. This idea is for a golf shirt that the duck hunter can wear to work, and be like, super classy, but also be like, hey man, I like the duck hunt. So you got a little camo here, but it's not not flagrant. You're still classy. You could still sling some insurance down the road, but you you're a duck hunter, and I I can respect that. So, but but not as like not as like cheesy as like a tuxedo t shirt. Like, 
Right, but basically the same idea. Yeah. Basically same idea, actually. Great, great uh, analogy. Yeah, basically it was like, this was my idea. You'd have old school camo underneath the collar of your golf shirt. And that would just tell people like, just a hint of redneck, just a hint of Doc Connor, but not too much where you're getting shunned from the, the country club. And so I bring this idea up to Dave and we're sitting there drinking a couple cold ones on the couch at Tipperary Hill in Syracuse. Great place. A lot of fun on that house. I didn't see your kick table in here. Is that still around? It's in the garage. It's legit. I need to bring it in the podcast room. I'll get it next week. Take a picture for everybody. Anyways, nice reference, by the way. I have a yangling keg with a tabletop on it with my college emblem painted. Shout out to Justine Whalen. That was a blast from the past 12 years ago. She painted that thing on there. Anyways, where was I going? Oh, so we're sitting there. We're brainstorming ideas for this company that I'm going to start where it's like, man, I just want to be in the outdoor industry. I just want to be in the dog world. I just, I love the dog hunt. I love the relationship with my dog. I want to share that with people and I want to travel the country doing this. What do, what do we call it? So do you remember Bluebill Outfitters? Yeah, that was the original idea. It was, it was Bluebill, right? Yep. Somebody already had it. So we didn't do it. Like all good ideas. Like all good ideas. Somebody had Blue Bill Outfitters. They had like one trademark and nothing else. And I was afraid of uh, getting sued. So we ixnayed Blue Bill Outfitters. So you could have been listening to Blue Bill's Gundog Chronicles right now. Instead, you're listening to Lone Duck. And truthfully, Dave, I don't remember if it was you or me, but I remember it was us sitting on the couch and lone duck came up and it was written down in a list of names. Like we had 50 names on a, you know, notebook pad and lone duck was on there and it just, I don't know. It, it stuck. Yeah, It's super weird too. Cause like when you, when you like, if you look at like the market of like what like clothes you can buy now, like I, I'm sure people are like, oh, I don't understand that stuff exists. But back, like in 2000, was it? 2009, maybe that that's something that like there was no like there was no banded like banded wasn't around. like yeah band I had the idea of banded and right as I was about to trademark banded outdoors or banded outfitters banded became a company yeah like 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 Under Armour like they didn't have like no there was no outdoor world they, they for had, them they had some like stuff but it wasn't like nothing you could wear to wear it like but it was like. Uh, like a, it was skinny, like it was a, skin tight stuff yeah. for like football players and lacrosse players. Like it was a hole in the market. It was it, like really good idea. I still don't even think anybody does exactly what the original idea was. But nah, no. But I don't think you can make. No. <laughs> you ain't being a millionaire on no. what I, my idea was. He's your millionaire, not. Yeah, nah. I mean, I really thought like every you know everybody that listens to this probably understands like Avery Outdoors and and Banded. You know, I wanted to innovate. I wanted to be the next big dog training company. Like the the gear we use, the healing sticks, the the bumpers, the I, everything you can think of that we use to train our dogs. I was innovating and had sketches and drawings and pat, you know, not pat. I never had a patent, but 
we were working towards that stuff and uh, stuff that like I can't even talk about truthfully. And, and it is what it is. Like it didn't pan out. And I ended up just not just becoming a dog trainer because I, I do think we're doing more than that. But yeah, we had a lot of great ideas. Yeah. Big vision. And well, it's just, you know, now we're where we're at and we're bringing more to the market in a different way. Well, it's, it's one of those things. I think it started out looking, there was a hole in the market. We, you saw the hole in the market and you like, were like, Oh, you know, I can, I can do this. I can feel like people want this. Yeah. There was no, and, there were no other decoy companies other than Avery and Flambeau. Like, yeah, there weren't 70 decoy companies. It was three. Yeah. There was no dog training companies other than Avery. They, there was nothing. We were gonna be the next big thing. And there was like stuff like you couldn't buy like one company. I think at that time made like a vest for a dog, like right. one company, like, it was just super limited. There was, there was nothing out there. So that was the, the goal is like, Hey, we're going to, you know, bring something new. Um, but and I think too, but even at the earliest stage, didn't you had the idea of the, you know, you wanted to have that, like a community, like there was, mm-hmm. that was more than just, just the idea for like a product. Yeah, no, that uh great point. I kind of, it's a great point, Dave. And I think that range true when you're talking about like the journey instead of the goal, and hitting the goal, the journey is the community. And, and we've got that Patreon community and we've got that Instagram community and we've got, man, so many clients whose dogs I've trained that are friends now, like John, you met today. Yeah. Like that guy showed up one day with a eight week old golden retriever puppy that was ferocious for a duck and water like every puddle boom in she saw the duck boom grabbed it and drug it back to us monster and now you know this and and he's just like a guy right i'm at that time 30 you know a couple years ago 30 i'm a a young dude and he's a 55 maybe 60 year old guy coming out to meet me I don't know him, right? I'm like, hey, how you doing? Shaking hands and, you know, I train dogs. Yep, 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 yep. By the way, and he's, he's probably like, he's if he's listening to this, he's probably like 50 right now. He's like, what are you talking nah, about? Nah, I know how old he is. I'm giving him some grace. <laughs> Let's be real, John. But you shake his hand, and the neat part about what I get to do every day is now he goes to hunt us with me. Now he'll drive four or five hours with me in a car and pack a cooler full of Guinness and donuts and sandwich bread and and like we'll have steaks on the grill and he just he he wants to hang out and he wants to see his dog have fun he doesn't honest to god john doesn't give a crap about hunt test titles if he had to be honest does he like it yes he could care less though he just wants to hang out with his dog and watch her have fun i mean he was throwing fun bumpers for her like like she was winning the freaking Nobel prize. Like could care. He came out to train today and he was like, I do. You guys do your thing. Like, well, we'll be over here. He had so much fun just being out there with us and, and having Addie have fun. That means more to me than a lot of the other stuff that we've, we've done in the past. And so that community, like you're saying, like John's a part of my community, you know, the, the folks who, send us messages on Instagram and ask us questions. Like that's our community. That's our friends. Those are, 
those are people I've emotionally invested in and, and helped them along the way and, and built something. And, you know, you're a part of the community, Dave, like whether you think so or not, like you, you've been along, you, you started it with me. You, you had an idea, you had a name, you, you, you ha- sat there with me and my dog and you, you keep coming back for more. And we're all, we're all friends and we've all grown together and we've all gotten older and we've all learned. And, and I think that community is more valuable than a t-shirt or a hat or a podcast or a dog food or a dog kennel or a whatever the case may be. Like the, the fact that we all hang out, we enjoy watching the dogs. We see a puppy and you're like, we all melt. You know, when you see a puppy, you're like, Oh my God, it's a puppy. And then you're like, you, you look at that puppy and you're like, what can this thing be? What is it going to grow to be? What kind of memories are we going to make with this thing? Where are we going to go? What state are we going to hunt in? What kind of ducks is it going to pick up? Who's it going to introduce me to? That's what's neat. And you've been a part of that journey, man. Yeah. I mean, like, that's that's hunting as a, like, a sport and a community as itself. It's, if you don't, if you don't support each other, if you don't, help each other out you don't help each other learn and grow then the the sport dies like that's you know it's not the nfl it's not you know it's not that kind of stuff it's it's based around people sharing knowledge and helping everybody out you know you see somebody struggling to train their dog or you know a kid struggling you you help them out and you you get them on the right path and give them the resources and you, you help them out and it grows the sport because that that young hunter becomes you know an older hunter and they're going to help somebody else out. And it's, it just perpetuates it. That's, that's how you keep it going. And it's, this is one of those things. Hunting in itself is whether it's a, whether it's lone duck or whether it's just the, your community hunting camp, it's, you know, you go to hunting camp because you have guys there who've been there for 50 years. who are going to tell you stories about how it was back in, you know, the early days when they wore newspapers on their feet and hiked up the mountain both ways and, you know, used a spear and it like, it was the hardest it ever been. Like those, those guys teach you how to be a better hunter and they teach you something about being, you know, just loving and re- giving returns. And that's, that's, that's all it is, man. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. I, I'm with you. And I think, I think our world dabbles in both ends. Right. So I think the hunting world is one that pats itself on the back saying, we're conservationists and we are, we want to bring young people in. Uh, it's like the three R's like retention, uh, recruitment and whatever the other third R is. I'm not good at that. Rock stuff. and roll. Huh? Sure. Re- re- retain. What was it, Kevin? Come on. Recruit, retain. Young Kevin's trying to look it up, but he's not using whatever. His phone. He's Doesn't just- matter. Long story short, three R's, look it up, Google it, you'll be better off. We all talk about it. We all boast about it. But in the, the day, there is that sense of like, I'm not taking you to my grouse spot. I'm not taking you to my duck hole. Because as soon as I take you to my duck spot, you're going to take your other buddy. And, and I trust you and your buddy, or I trust you. But your buddy I don't trust, and he's going to bring six of his buddies, and two of those buddies are going to bring six. And now my spot is blown up. And so we hold 
the cards tight to our chest. So as much as we boast as a community about recruitment and bringing others into the sport and sharing what we know, I do think there's a little bit of our community, including myself, that will hold our cold our cards tight to our chest. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I'll take you to I'll take you grouse to one of my grouse spots. I'm not afraid of you coming back because you live in Virginia, sucker. You ain't coming back. You aren't touching my grouse spot uh, next week. Well, the problem is I'm going to shoot all your grouse tomorrow. So there's going to be none left there. Listen, folks, I promise you, I'll, I'll give everyone that listens to this podcast a hundred dollars if if Dave kills a grouse tomorrow. Wow, hundred bucks. Wow, it's a solid two hundred dollar investment on my part. Wow, your one listener is going to be like, yes, Canada, shout out. Well, I mean, that's what it is, man. Like, you know, you don't. You have to be willing to sacrifice a little bit in order to bring the next crew in. But I do think there's that fine line of like, I do understand where people are coming from. When it's like, I want to bring my, I I got a cousin right now, Eric, Kevin, Eric messaged me and said, I want to go. I got my hunting license. He wants to go hunt. Kevin just said, no way. You can't hear him. But anyways, Eric is a 18, 19 year old. A uh, great kid and asked me how to get into it. I gave him the method to get a hunting license. And I said, bud, I'll do whatever I can. This is what you need to do. If you do it, I'll help you. And sure as shit, he messaged me. He's like, well, I got it. I'm like, damn, guess I got to take him on now. And, and it is my responsibility to be the, I guess, you know, if he's like, to me, you know, it's weird. Like, I'll give you a little mini background. Kevin and I are, my mom is one of 10 siblings. So we got like 30-something cousins that range from my older sister, who's 36. I'm 34. I'll be 34. She's 37. I don't know. Mid to late 30s. Listen. Nah, she doesn't. She busy. Anyways, we're in our late 30s, all the way down to like, four-year-old cousins, like little babies. And long story short, Eric is in that middle range and he's a triplet. He's, he, you know, he's figuring out his life. He's just started college and he reaches out to, to me. Like I had uncles that were, when I was 18, they were 25. So like I had basically older brothers that mentored me and taught me and coached me through some, you know, young guy times. Like, could that be my young guy times? You know, yeah, I don't know what to call them. Growing pains. I don't, I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to call them. Just because we're on a podcast, you're not getting a free skater, right? That's fine. So I, I would, you know, it'd be a great experience to, you know, take him out into the duck blind and show him what a dog can do. And who knows what Eric could turn into. Eric could be like the next big duck slayer and want a, a Labrador retriever now. And now, you know, five years from now, he's got a bad ass duck dog. And it's all because he got a license and me and Kevin take him duck hunting. Like, you don't know. And yeah, am I going to take him to my sweet spots? No. No, he's got to hurt in that right. But I'm going to take him to a spot where he can see birds. We can work birds with a call. I can teach him how to call. I can teach him what a dog does and what they don't do and this, that, and the other. And 
and show him a good time. And, and if he can shoot the gun a few times and get out there, like we're promoting the sport. And, and I do think there's that fine line where it's like, I want to promote the sport. I want to promote what we do, but like, eh, don't come back here. You got to like go find your own spot. It's weird. It's different. But like, so that, I think that's the thing, right? Like you don't want to give away like the honey hole you you've dug out. Like you don't want to give that away and you don't want to give up those spots. You like want to enable people to like go out and do it safely. And they understand gun safety and safety of the dog. They just understand the basics, right? That every, everybody you need to be taught that you're not going to, you're not just going to learn that on the internet. Right. And you don't want to take them to the secret spot, but what you can do for that, that young hunter, or maybe, maybe it's an older guy who's just like getting into the sport is that, Hey, listen, like how, how did you find your secret spot? Like, cause you didn't, you didn't just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to walk into here and it's a secret spot. Like you had to do some research. You had like, but giving that person some, uh, some help, like, Hey, listen, like, go on Google maps, go like, go on, go on here go and look at, look at this site. Look at these, like, look at these actual maps Yeah, and you know, drive around. This is how you scout and you give a person those resources. And it's like, it's like teaching a man to fish. Like he's, if he, if he finds your secret spot because he went and did the research and he said, you know what? I really think this spot is going to be just, you know, blacked out with ducks coming in every day. And he, he, and you walk out there and he's standing in your spot. That dude earned it, right? Like right. you didn't tell him he earned it, and it's not your spot. Like that's that's the thing. Like you, you didn't give it to him, but you gave him the resources to make the decisions and learn what what makes a secret spot. And that's that's what it's all about. Like, you, and you share it. You go out there, and he's there, and you're just like, oh man, like you figure it out. You give him the props, and you're like, and you kick him out. Like, <laughs> um, the, yeah. The other option too is like you know. You just, you just take him. I'm going to take you to the secret spot and you, you know, you blindfold him, put a bag over his head, spin around like a dozen times. You take yeah. 15 back roads, you drag him in there, you half drown him and you just be like, okay, we're in the secret spot. And then you do the opposite when you leave. So then he just never knows. Like then. Yeah. You go Afghanistan yeah, on him. safe, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds good. No, I think, I think, uh, I think you, and, and I think it is a opportunity also to teach and find out what kind of ethics a person has where you say, this is my spot. I'm going to take you here. This is where we go. You and I can come here. You call me if you want to go here, but this is, this is where we're going. And if you come back and you come back with your buddies, you're wrong. And there is a, like, there is a ethics of, sharing spots there's an ethics of trust of new friends like for instance i went hunting the other day with my buddy steve and steve invited me with a co-worker of his and we went to his buddy's state land spot little dinky swamp not far from where i live so it'd be like easy for me to go tomorrow and go and hunt it it's state land I 100% have every right to go and hunt there tomorrow. Ethically, I feel like I can't. Ethically, I feel like I'd have to make a phone call or two and be like, hey, man, I, I scouted. I found these birds. They're back. They're here. Do you guys want to go? And throw it out to them like, 
you guys showed me the spot. I checked it out again. There's birds. Can we all go? But if I went there alone and brought Kevin and my dad and you, Dave, and like blew up their spot that he took me to, that's wrong. Yeah, I mean, even if it's state land, like there, there's a a moral code that we all share. It's it it is it's a it's like a code, right? It's it's unwritten rules. You you just you don't do that to somebody because it's oh it's not like oh cheating is the wrong word, right? But it's like that person did all the work. And then you're just going to go in and you're going to steal their work. Like you're going to steal the effort they put in. Right. And again, it's like state land. If you can find it and it's like one of those, like if you're doing the research and you show up in that spot and he shows up there and he's like, what the heck dude, you're in my spot. And it's like, well, like I found it alone. Found That's it alone. different. It's like, Hey, but man. like if you brought me and then two days later I go again and you're there without me, like that's different. Yeah. That's, that's, it's, you know, like, Code of conduct. So I'm not like, I'm not a rich landowner. I don't, I don't have like, I gotta, I gotta hunt like either spots that I find or I, you know, somebody tells me about or somebody gives permission to hunt. Right. So it's like one of those situations. If, if, if I'm in a spot and I'm set up on a spot and you know, nobody showed it to me. I just, I just found this place and I'm, I'm down the decoys route. And I'm ready to hunt it. And somebody walks up and is like, Hey, this is my spot. Like, like the code is like, like, well, you should have, you should have woke up earlier, bro. Like Zia, like, you know, and and that's what it is. Like you, it's just the code you have to operate on it. And it keeps everybody like on the same playing field. It's like, if you, if you're hunting you know, public land and you walk up and somebody else is in the tree stand, you know, their tree stand is where you want to sit that day and they're in it. You go find another spot. You don't, you don't ruin the woods. You don't, you don't stomp to the woods. You don't, you know, pee on a tree. You don't, you don't, you don't mess it up. You just, walk out the way you came and move on to a different spot because there's a lot of woods and uh, they just got there first. You know, that's, that's how it is. You got to have that, that like. Yeah. And you know what I would also add to that? I think, and this is hard, right? But you hear a lot of public land folk who will talk about like swearing at each other, like, you know, yelling across the swamp, like you're too close to us or this, that, and the other thing. Well, what about going in there and being like, hey, man, um, we were thinking of hunting here, too. Do you mind if we hunt together? Yeah. Now, if you got six guys and six guys, that's tough. Like, you know, the later guy, yeah, you probably got to go somewhere else. But, like, if it's one guy and two, and then two guys, and so it would be a three-person hunt, what about what about just being like, hey, man, would it be okay if, if we just hunted together? And then all of a sudden, you actually might strike up a friendship and instead of, you know, sky busting ducks against each other and calling ducks against each other and having this weird swamp relationship where you have no clue who the other dude is, but you hate his guts. Like you actually just made a hunting buddy and you might actually just paddle up and say, Hey, I see where you're at. I, I didn't know, you know, you were here. We, we are 10 minutes behind you. You know, what do you think? Do you, do you think we can sit together? I bet you most people will say, yeah, dude, come on, you know, get out of the freaking water. Let's, let's, let's get ready and, and hunt. I I mean, I know that I would actually, like, I can honestly say if someone, one dude or two dudes paddled up to me at a swamp and we're like, ah, we got here a little late and we wanted to hunt here. And, and instead of going, you know, 
75 yards down the swamp. Can we hunt here with you? I'd say, sure. Come on, let's go. And, and I bet you, you'd end up becoming buddies and busting chops. And whether you see them again or not, great, but you'd be fun. You'd be fine. So have some integrity and, uh, ethics and etiquette. Etiquette is the word I would say yeah. in the swamp. And I mean, it's, it's like the, uh, assuming it's like, you know, like if you're set up and they're like set up directly across from you and it's like unsafe, maybe rather than yell at you, like yell at them, you paddle across, explain it to them. Cause maybe, maybe, maybe it's us how many years ago where we did, we're like, we didn't know we're out there for the first time. We're, we never hunted here before. We don't, you know, we're just two goobers trying to, to hunt. Like, and maybe they don't know. And maybe you have an opportunity to teach somebody something and help them out. Great point. Or maybe you're like, paddle across and be like, Hey man, you mind if we hunt? And the guy you're talking to is the guy who is a professional dog trainer. And all of a sudden you just gained a, a guy who can be a resource. You know, it's works both ways. Yeah, absolutely. So anyways, I, I will, we'll wrap this pig up. I, I do have to call you out on something because I, I want people <laughs> to know this. Okay. Sucker. Go yeah. On. Cause like I said, we've hunted together for a long time. And uh, I just want to like, I want viewers to like close their eyes and picture like their, their, their hunting buddy. And it's like, okay, man, you swing by my house and then we'll, we'll, we'll hop in my truck. I know exactly what you're going to say, you dink. And uh, this is like one of those, the hunting code, I think is the perfect thing. And he's like, yeah, swing by my house we'll, and we'll, we'll meet at my place and then we'll, we'll go to the, the secret spot. And we're, you know, all right. So uh, you, you hop in your car super early. It's cold. You drive over there. You load the truck up. You go inside. And you're like, man, I haven't eaten breakfast yet or anything because I had a cup of coffee. Just because I'm trying to meet you at your place, and your place is 20 minutes away in Baldwinsville, and you know, in your in your parents' basement. And it's like easy. It's like uh easy, bro. You know, you have a picture of like Jim Morrison there, and it's true uh, statement that you drew, <laughs> and you go in there. And you're like hungry and you know what he, you know, like the code is if, if they're meeting at your house, you make breakfast to meet in my house. I make breakfast for everybody. Eh? Yeah. David always have great breakfast burritos ready for me. Every and what time. he's bitching about is that I would pick him up and he'd have two breakfast burritos waiting for me, two for me, two for him. And we would eat those burritos and go hunt. And then when he would come to my house, apparently I don't remember this, but apparently, and it sounds about right, truthfully, I didn't have anything for him. I'd be like, oh, you want a granola bar? Yeah. Nothing. So. I guess you can get some cold cereal. I think, I think, I think Mrs. Owens has something in the fridge. I don't know. <laughs> like, she's asleep, so I don't know. We can't make anything. <laughs> like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's the little code of hunting buddies you got to buy. Not just in the swamp, but, you know. Honey buddies come over your house and he, he's loading the truck up and doing all cold work. Maybe maybe cook a little breakfast burrito for me, you know, a little bacon in there, a little cheese, just <laughs> nice little scramble, man. Just what I'm saying. When you get out there and you're like, and you sit in the blind, your stomach's warm. You, oh yeah, this is nice. But if you don't, you just you know, Bob Owens. Yeah. Well, apparently, I learned a lesson. I haven't learned it yet. Suck it, Dave. I hope yeah. your bed is cold and sheetless and. Lady Lone Duck cooked breakfast up this morning, so. Yeah. Yeah, she did. No, 
We reheated it. Let's be real. She cooked it, though. Much respect to her cooking. We reheated that egg casserole. Quiche. Quiche. French. Big shout out to our French listener, all one of you. Maybe zero. But maybe now, if we say France, maybe France will listen. Well, French Canada. or French, French, French Canadian. Canada? What, what do they call that? Quebec? Eh? Great fishing in Quebec. Eh? Another shrimp on the Barbie? Close, right? Sounds about right. All right, everybody. Listen, we had a great episode. I appreciate y'all tuning in. Do me a solid. Hit that subscribe button. You know, if you unsubscribe, I totally understand that Dave was on this episode and he sucked and uh, really disappointed you all. But I'll be honest with you. I enjoyed sitting here listening to his story and his hipsterness and skinny jean wearing mother lover. By the way, you should stay subscribed at least for one more week because Bob is going to send you a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, that was an hour and twenty minutes ago. I forget what I told everybody I would yeah. pay them, but no, not happening. But I appreciate everybody tuning in, Dave. Thank you for being on our show. Thank you for coming and hunting with us. And you know, it's just uh, it's great to have a friend here at the Lone de Chateau, the HQ, and being a part of the journey uh, of where this idea started long, long time ago and where we're at now. And, you know, hopefully we continue to build upon that and go forward for everybody. Um, I would add that the old patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters is growing. You know, you could win a hunt with me and Kevin had some questions about that. But he's not going to make you breakfast. That's the catch. Yeah, suck it, dude. I'm not making you breakfast. There's a freaking gas station down the road. You can get a breakfast sandwich for $1.99. Get it before you get here. I'm good. I got mine. Get yours. The caveat is make sure you get him one, too. Yeah, that'd be ideal. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. I prefer bacon over sausage. Kevin loves sausage. Smoked. Preferred. But anyways... Check out that patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. And, you know, for whatever tier you want to join, you're going to be entered to win a hunt with me and Kev. And you know what? Screw it. Dave, you want to come on that hunt and people can hunt with you? Definitely. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) All right. Maybe sandwiches. No, not for you. Maybe Dave will be there. If you want your guest to uh, be able to shoot ducks probably shouldn't go because I will literally shoot them all. Um, I have watched them shoot, so you all will be safe. But if you would like to join us, join our Patreon and be entered to win that deal as well as learn more and gain more and all that shenanigans. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. Until next time, stay frosty, my friends. Hey, patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. It's a community that we built to help you and your dog on your journey to next duck season. There's videos that don't hit YouTube. There's happy hours where we drink a couple beers and I answer your questions every other week. And by the way, if you join between now and September 1st, you're entered to win 
a hunt with me and Kevin and other Patreon members. So jump in. Let's go. Join the community. We appreciate it, and we'll see you there. Hey, listeners. Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. 